Section fifteen of the Quintessence of Ibsenism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Quintessence of Ibsenism by George Bernard Shaw. Section fifteen. Hedda Gabler. Hedda Gabler, the heroine after whom the last of Ibsen's plays so far is named, has no ideals at all she is a pure sceptic a typical nineteenth-century figure falling into the abyss between the ideals which do not impose on her and the realities which she has not yet discovered the result is that she has no heart no courage no conviction with great beauty and great energy she remains mean envious insolent cruel in protest against others happiness a bully in reaction from her own cowardice Hedda's father, a general, is a widower. She has the traditions of the military caste about her, and these narrow her activities to the customary hunt for a socially and pecuniarily eligible husband. She makes the acquaintance of a young man of genius who, prohibited by an ideal-ridden society from taking his pleasures except where there is nothing to restrain him from excess, is going to the bad in search of his good, with the usual consequences. Hedda is intensely curious about the side of life which is forbidden to her, and in which powerful instincts, absolutely ignored and condemned by the society with which her intercourse is permitted to her, steal their satisfaction. An odd intimacy springs up between the inquisitive girl and the rake. Whilst the general reads the paper in the afternoon, Livborg and Hedda have long conversations in which he describes to her all his disreputable adventures although she is the questioner she never dares to trust him all the questions are indirect and the responsibility for his interpretations rests on him alone hedda has no conviction whatever that these conversations are disgraceful but she will not have a fight with society on the point hypocrisy the homage that truth pays to falsehood is easier to face as far as she can see than ostracism when he proceeds to make advances to her Hedda has again no conviction that it would be wrong for her to gratify his instinct and her own, so that she is confronted with the alternative of sinning against herself and him, or sinning against social ideals in which she has no faith. Making the coward's choice, she carries it out with the utmost bravado, threatening Löwborg with one of her father's pistols, and driving him out of the house with all that ostentation of outraged purity which is the instinctive defence of women to whom chastity is not natural much as libel actions are mostly brought by persons concerning whom libels are virtually if not technically justifiable hedda deprived of her lover now finds that a life of conformity without faith involves something more terrible than the utmost ostracism to wit boredom this scourge unknown among revolutionists is the curse which makes the security of respectability as dust in the balance against the unflagging interest of rebellion and which forces society to eke out its harmless resources for killing time by licensing gambling gluttony hunting shooting coursing and other vicious distractions for which even idealism has no disguise these licenses however are only available for people who have more than enough money to keep up appearances with and as hedda's father is too poor to leave her much more than the case of pistols 
her boredom is only mitigated by dancing at which she gains much admiration but no substantial offers of marriage at last she has to find someone to support her a good-natured mediocrity of a professor is all that is to be had and though she regards him as a member of an inferior class and despises almost to loathing his family circle of two affectionate aunts and the inevitable general servant who has helped to bring him up she marries him faute de mieux and immediately proceeds to wreck this prudent provision for her livelihood by accommodating his income to her expenditure instead of accommodating her expenditure to his income her nature so rebels against the whole sordid transaction that the prospect of bearing a child to her husband drives her almost frantic since it will not only expose her to the intimate solicitude of his aunts in the course of a derangement of her health in which she can see nothing that is not repulsive and humiliating but will make her one of his family in earnest to amuse herself in these galling circumstances she forms an underhand alliance with a visitor who belongs to her old set an elderly gallant who quite understands how little she cares for her husband and proposes a menage a trois to her she consents to his coming there and talking to her as he pleases behind her husband's back but she keeps her pistols in reserve in case he becomes seriously importunate he on the other hand tries to get some hold over her by placing her husband under pecuniary obligations as far as he can do it without being out of pocket and so Hedda's married life begins with only this gallant as a precaution against the most desperate tedium meanwhile lovborg is drifting to disgrace by the nearest way through drink in due time he descends from lecturing at the university on the history of civilization to taking a job in an out-of-the-way place as tutor to the little children of sheriff elfsted this functionary on being left a widower with a number of children marries their governess finding that she will cost him less and be bound to do more for him as his wife as for her she is too poor to dream of refusing such a settlement in life when lovborg comes his society is heaven to her he does not dare to tell her about his dissipations but he tells her about his unwritten books she does not dare to remonstrate with him for drinking but he gives it up as soon as he sees that it shocks her just as mr fearing in bunyan's story was in a way the bravest of the pilgrims so this timid and unfortunate mrs elfsted trembles her way to a point at which lovborg quite reformed publishes one book which makes him celebrated for the moment and completes another fair copied in her handwriting to which she looks for a solid position as an original thinker but he cannot now stay tutoring elfsted's children so off he goes to town with his pockets full of the money the published book has brought him left once more in her old lonely plight knowing that without her lovborg will probably relapse into dissipation and that without him her life will not be worth living mrs elfsted is now confronted on her own higher plane with the same alternative which had i encountered she must either sin against herself and him or against the institution of marriage under which elfsted purchased his housekeeper it never occurs to her even that she has any choice she knows that her action will count as a dreadful thing but she sees that she must go and accordingly elfsted finds himself without a wife and his children without a governess and so disappears unpitied from the story 
now it happens that hadda's husband jürgen tesman is an old friend and competitor for academic honours of Löwborg, and also that hedda was a schoolfellow of mrs elfsted or thea as she had better now be called thea's first business is to find out where Löwborg is for hers is no preconcerted elopement she has hurried to town to keep Löwborg away from the bottle a design which she dare not hint at to himself accordingly the first thing she does is to call on the tesmans who have just returned from their honeymoon to beg them to invite Löwborg to their house so as to keep him in good company they consent with the result that the two pairs are brought together under the same roof and the tragedy begins to work itself out hedda's attitude now demands a careful analysis Löwborg's experience with thea has enlightened his judgment of hedda and as he is in his gifted way an errant poseur and male coquette he immediately tries to get on romantic terms with her for have they not a past by impressing her with the penetrating criticism that she is and always was a coward she admits that the virtuous heroics with the pistol were pure cowardice but she is still so void of any other standard of conduct than conformity to the conventional ideals that she thinks her cowardice consisted in not daring to be wicked that is she thinks that what she actually did was the right thing and since she despises herself for doing it and feels that he also rightly despises her for it she gets a passionate feeling that what is wanted is the courage to do wrong this unlooked-for reaction of idealism this monstrous but very common setting up of wrongdoing as an ideal and of the wrongdoer as a hero or heroine qua wrongdoer leads hedda to conceive that when Löwborg tried to seduce her he was a hero and that in allowing thea to reform him he has played the recreant in acting on this misconception she is restrained by no consideration for any of the rest like all people whose lives are valueless she has no more sense of the value of Löwborg's or tesman's or thea's lives than a railway shareholder has of the value of a shunter's she gratifies her intense jealousy of thea by deliberately taunting Löwborg into breaking loose from her influence by joining a carouse at which he not only loses his manuscript but finally gets into the hands of the police through behaving outrageously in the house of a disreputable woman whom he accuses of stealing it not knowing that it has been picked up by tesman and handed to hedda for safekeeping now to hedda this bundle of paper in another woman's handwriting is the fruit of Löwborg's union with thea he himself speaks of it as their child so when he turns his despair to romantic account by coming to the two women and making a tragic scene telling thea that he has cast the manuscript torn into a thousand pieces out upon the fjord and then when she is gone telling hedda that he has brought the child to a house of ill fame and lost it there she deceived by his posing and thirsting to gain faith in human nobility from a heroic deed of some sort makes him a present of one of her pistols only begging him to do it beautifully by which she means that he is to kill himself without spoiling his appearance he takes it unblushingly and leaves her with the air of a man who is looking his last on earth but the moment he is out of sight of his audience he goes back to the house where he still supposes that the manuscript was lost and there renews the wrangle of the night before 
using the pistol to threaten the woman with the result that he gets shot in the abdomen leaving the weapon to fall into the hands of the police meanwhile hedda deliberately burns the child then comes her elderly gallant to tell her the true story of the heroic deed which Livebock promised her to do so beautifully and to make her understand that he himself has now got her into his power by his ability to identify the pistol she has either to be the slave of this man or else to face the scandal of the connection of her name at the inquest with a squalid debauch ending in a murder thea too is not crushed by Löwbock's death ten minutes after she has received the news with a cry of heartfelt loss she sits down with tesman to reconstruct their child from the old notes which she has preserved over the congenial task of collecting and arranging another man's ideas tesman is perfectly happy and forgets his beautiful Hedda for the first time. Thea the Trembler is still mistress of the situation, holding the dead Löwbock, gaining Tesman, and leaving Hedda to her elderly admirer, who smoothly remarks that he will answer for Mrs. Tesman not being bored, whilst her husband is occupied with Thea in putting the pieces of the book together. However, he has again reckoned without General Gabler's second pistol. She shoots herself then and there, and so the story ends. End of section 15